the key piece here is the NFT is the atomic unit of your Web3 community. The digital asset can be whatever, but at the end of the day, having the NFT and and having that in someone's Ethereum address is the most important part because then you'll be able to you know verify that they have it and, and really create this sort of engaging experience digitally with your fans and really ultimately strengthen the artist-fan relationship. Welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast, the official podcast of Unstoppable Domains and the go-to place for everybody to learn about the latest innovations in Web3, NFTs, and the decentralized web. Join us each week to hear from experts, entrepreneurs, and the early stage investors that are building the future on the blockchain. Not only will this podcast help you understand why these emerging technologies are so important, but you'll also learn how you can become a pioneer in the metaverse. Welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast, everybody. My name is Josh Gordon, and I'm your host. Today, we're going to be diving into music NFTs with Dwight Torkulis, CEO of Mint Songs. He's been an investor. Now he's a founder. And I'm just really excited to have this conversation with you and and really dive into the world of music NFTs. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me on here. For sure. It's it's been pretty cool to see Mint Songs grow over the last year, and especially, I'd say, over the last couple months as music NFTs are coming more into the mainstream. So I see the community building, and I think you'll have a lot of great insight to kind of share with everybody who wants to learn more about like this vertical of NFTs. To kick us off, could you walk us through how you got into crypto and, and really the, the series of events that led to you founding Mint Songs? I got into crypto around 2013, 2014. I actually got free Bitcoin from Coinbase and that was my first ever crypto. So I was very into it. I was like the kid in my dorms in my freshman year of college, just telling everybody about crypto. Eventually got myself into ICOs around 2017, 2018. And then I got my first crypto kitty in 2019. And then just got generally obsessed with NFTs. And I think it really clicked to me that NFTs were going to be sort of the the next wave, the the best use case for blockchain because I've been playing video games like all of my all my life. And, you know, playing RuneScape and playing Call of Duty and Maple Story and all these games. None of the assets that I that I earned on any of those games games were verifiably scarce. So so yeah, naturally I saw NFTs as just a, a great sort of opportunity. As you were diving into like crypto on your own, did you have a community around you that kind of believed in it too? Or did you really feel like you were going into it solo? Because I think it's interesting as, especially with founders and and people who have been in the space for as long as you have, like how you kept that enthusiasm and curiosity going when you might've been met with a lot of resistance around you. Yeah, I, I think in anything in life, it's great to have a support group and for me, having my having a group of my friends on iMessage just talking about NFTs and cryptos is great reinforcement. When you first enter the NFT space or when you first enter any sort of new frontier technology or new space, you, you kind of feel alone a little bit, right? And, and just having people around you that 
that also share that same fire <laughs> about it is is very important for you to find. So that's super important. Well, I think as we get to the music section, I'm pretty sure we're going to talk a lot more about how NFTs can build that community. So we'll, we'll get there in a minute. Okay, so you started buying NFTs yourself, early user to Coinbase and, you know, into the crypto world. You you worked in venture capital, right? And I'm kind of curious how you started to identify like that transition for yourself from VC to founder and especially how you knew like I want to work in web3. Yeah, shout out Kyle, Evan, Saud and Omar over at Arab Angel Fund. I worked as a as an investment associate over at, at the fund, helping them manage $100 million to invest in US startup companies at the seed stage. Luckily for us, we saw, I believe it's now six unicorn companies that all came from the investments that we made out of, out of that fund. I really spent a lot of time watching how these founders went from zero to one and then one to scale. It was a, it was a key focus of mine for the last four years. And talking on the the NFT sort of, NFT side, whenever I decide to collect an NF, a new NFT project, I always like to put my venture hat on because a lot of what we did as seed investors was really evaluate teams and 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 see and really see are they the team to build something crazy and, and successful out. Really carrying that over into the NFT space. A lot of my thesis in getting into projects like Board Ape or Deadfellas or Doodles was really is this team the team that I want to put my you know, my money and time and energy behind. So that's really how I played the game. And then it goes even further into when I first got into NFTs around 2020, I got in the closed beta of NBA Top Shot. And, you know, for me, I got into CryptoKitties, you know, way before then and followed Dapper Labs through their investment from Andreessen. And just knowing Andreessen as a powerhouse, I knew whatever Dapper Labs did next, I wanted to get into it big time. So I got into NBA Top Shot big time. And you know that the NBA Top Shot community was actually the reason why I got into Board API Club initially, because I saw all of my friends that you know, were very successful in NBA Top Shot turn their profile pictures to Board Apes. And I was like, wow, this is how I identify with the people that I've spent a lot of time with, the people that are also equally as passionate about you know NFTs as I. So that's sort of really why I entered the Board API Club the day after <laughs> the day after they minted, because I wanted to I wanted to feel a part of something, and I wanted to identify with the people that shared similar interests to me. That's really interesting how you kind of identify with different NFT collections on this shared interests, shared values kind of mindset. Now to pull that thread a little further, like, do you still identify with those different communities as they've evolved over the years? Because or not even over the years, like over the last year, I also like you got into NBA Top Shot, not as early, but I felt like my journey actually followed yours, but just like a lag step behind because you were kind of my intro to NFTs in late 2020. And so I joined Top Shot, had a lot of fun with it, started understanding the idea of NFTs as collectibles, literally saw you get an ape and I was, you know, started to dive into that and then started to learn about how NFTs can be, you know, PFPs and identity focused. You know, a lot's happened since you first got in after Mint. You know, but I still see I see the collection behind you on your wall. How do you identify with them a year later? Like, is that identity more cemented, or has it changed a little bit? 
Yeah, it's definitely evolved, right? And as more and more as more and more A-listers come into Board Ape, a lot of like the Board Ape community has has been thinking, oh, is is this really the direction that we want to go? You know, having MoonPay bring on a bunch of celebrities into Board Ape Yacht Club in some sense non-organically. Overall, I identify myself with the general NFT community and I own plenty of different profile pick projects because they each have their own interesting things that they're working on. You know, when you are an investor at a venture fund, you also think like, you know, these are companies that you want to ride with. And even through the ups and downs, you want to, you know, you want to be part of that journey because at the end of the day, you're, you're betting on the people. And, and I love the people that I've been meeting through, through all of the, uh, all the groups that I'm a part of. So it's just such a, such an interesting time to, to be, you know, finding your tribe and, and it's technologically mediated tribe finding, which I just love. So yeah, no, I, I still identify with a lot of folks and especially in the Board Ape Yacht Club, there's a, there's a group of us called the, the Secret Society of Hip Hop Apes. And we have a group chat on Twitter that, that is awesome because we're all just talking about just talking about the market it's it's just a, an amazing time uh to be to be finding your tribe in 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 web 3.0 i really resonate with that i think it's been i think it's been interesting because i wasn't on the internet 15 years ago when maybe a lot of the social media was just getting started and a lot of these things were just getting built so i don't have this perspective of like what it felt like to be on the internet and be part of forums or communities necessarily pre big social. But it seems like this has kind of rejuvenated internet activity in a way and allowed people to, to talk a little bit less just sharing their life on social media and actually engage with groups that they want to be in. Because I think our social media feeds quickly evolved to be like, we don't really want to engage with 90% of the things we're scrolling by. And all of a sudden, with the communities you join, you find much more inclusivity. I do want to focus on music. So let's talk about like circling back to you talking about putting your VC hat on, identifying like teams and watching founders go from zero to one and then one to scale. Like what made you hone in on music as your web three focus of like use case and where you really want to devote time and, and build products out? I am huge on music. I mean, ever since my parents got me my first guitar, I've been playing in bands through middle school and high school. I I, I made covers, acoustic covers on YouTube that you can check out on my YouTube channel. I tried to produce music. I go to shows and festivals regularly. I mean, even back in high school, I'd go to like the Warp Tours and and check out my favorite bands there. And now that's sort of evolved to today where I'm going to electronic music festivals with my friends. A lot of what attracts me to the NFT space is community. And a lot of what attracts me to the music space is community. The communities at music festivals and the communities at shows. I just, I, I just love being around people feeling that energy. So that's really what brought me to the intersection of music and NFTs because everything that I have done in my life has been centered around these two things. So for me, it's just like the, the perfect moment. I've learned how other entrepreneurs have done it and then really taking that learning and, and putting it into action and building a business that 
truly supports artists and and really helping them build sustainable incomes. Really think of, thinking of NFTs as supplemental strategies that you know that'll supplement their tour revenue and their merch revenue and their streaming revenue, and really trying to help educate as many artists that that this is this is the way the the world is moving and. A lot of the younger generations are, you know, are are digital natives, and they they only know digital assets. So they're going to want to, you know, when they become of age, they're going to want to participate with their favorite music artists in the same way that they participate on in video games like Fortnite and Minecraft. So that's sort of how I see the world evolving. And, and long answer short is why I'm why I'm here today, building at the intersection of music and NFTs. I think it's really awesome to see people jump in to build around, you know, passions of theirs, especially when one was not necessarily business focused, like you enjoyed music because you enjoy music and that experience. Also, someone who enjoys like the business building and the investing side of things, being able to combine those, a great intersection. So you mentioned like some revenue streams. Is revenue and creating like livable wages for creatives and artists the main problem that you're focusing on? And like I asked that, but more broadly, like what are the problems that artists are facing right now in the music industry that need innovation? And and what's your vision for solving some of those? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And you know, ultimately what we want to do is create a larger creator economy. I think the world is more beautiful when there's more creators in it. And when more creators can live off of their creative work, we have more beauty in our, in our world at the core of, you know, my own being, why I, why do I buy merch from my favorite artists? Why do I go to shows and why do I go to festivals to support artists and, and uh, events that they're throwing? It's really so that they can keep doing what they love doing. And that's really at the heart of it. So yeah, that's that's sort of at the heart of it there. Those problems though, do you want to kind of identify some of those with me? We were talking about royalties being a, a factor that we can start thinking about with NFTs. You talked about merch and maybe thinking about digital collectibles. What other components in like that creator economy and especially around music that... uh the music artist kind of fan engagement life cycle are, are you thinking about ways that we can start introducing NFTs to? NFTs are really a digital merch strategy for an artist, right? It's augmented by the blockchain. So now you can track every single piece of digital merch that you put out and you can make money on the secondary sales of all your digital merch in the ecosystem. So when you think of, you know, what, music and NFTs may look like in the next three to five years, I think that a lot of it is going to mirror what we currently experience today with music artists and their physical merch strategy. At the end of the day, it's it's really adding this gamification layer on top of your brand where you can you can engage your fans in a totally new way, which at the end of the day, it strengthens the artist-fan relationship because you can engage with them in a totally new way. Your fans are collecting and in many senses that they're economically incentivized, you sort of turn your fans into a street team that now are properly incentivized to keep going out and market for you. I think that's one of the most magical parts of of NFTs in general is that you now give 
you know, pieces of your brand to your fans that they can grow with instead of sort of the web 2.0 version where your fans are just giving, giving, giving now in web three, it's sort of this, this, you know, great feedback loop of you give to your fans and your fans can actually grow and give back and, and then, you know, fuel the ecosystem altogether. If someone is, has not bought their first music NFT, and they're hearing you talk through the ways that the fan can engage with the artist. I'd like to provide a little bit more clarity to them on, you know, what what those ways really look like in terms of how they can grow with the artist and why it could be beneficial to them. A lot of the talk is on how creators can succeed. And I'd like to make sure we're also focusing on talking about why that actually helps the fan too. It's not just a way for creators to make more money by selling nfts right it's a way for actual communities to like grow together in in ways that feel connected and engaged so when you talk about that ecosystem growing does it just look like buying an nft from an artist and and how does that connect the two the fan and the artist a lot of the nft spaces is based on identity right you identifying with your tribe you identifying with your favorite music artists. I mean, why do you buy, you know, t-shirts, vinyl, posters? It's really to identify with your favorite artists. And that's really what is happening at, at scale in the NFT space, but really hasn't happened at, a, at the music level yet. We, we only have, you know, I, maybe I'd say 10,000 max music artists in the NFT space that have minted NFTs across all the different platforms. There's millions of music artists. Over time, you know, it's going to be a, you know, an ecosystem filled with music artists and collectors that that truly understand what it means to identify with your favorite artists. And as time goes on, you know, I always like to go back to this idea of NFTs being a gamification layer because as time goes on, these NFTs can be game pieces that you as an artist can activate at any time. You can do things like if you own my tour poster from last year, then you have, you know, a discount on my tour tickets this year. Or if you owned my, you know, if you own any of my songs that I dropped in 2021, then you have access to buy my my album today, early access. I really think that the larger vision of what music and NFTs look like in sort of the next three to five years is that, you know, many, many people, I think every single music fan is going to have at least one NFT of their favorite artists. And then to go even further, you know, music artists and music collectors are going to want to own the platform that they're spending time on, right? Like, Right now, we're all getting hip to ownership of digital assets, but the next step is is DAOs and owning the platform that you're spending time on. And you know, in the next three to five years, I chalk this up as a hot take, but I think the largest music company in the next three to five years is going to be a DAO that allows music artists and collectors to own the platform that they're building on. No longer is it is an artist going to say, oh yeah, I'm going to upload my music to this platform that I don't even have ownership of. Why am I doing that? When I have ownership of this platform, I'm going to put my IP here because I'm incentivized to do so. That's sort of how I see the the music NFT space evolving. And for us at Mint Songs, 
you know, we're focused on that reality of really living this sort of Web3 native reality where, you know, our music artists and music collectors own the platform that they're spending and, and, and they're spending a bulk of their time and money on. Gotcha. So yeah, I hear you talking about actually being able to mint your music as an NFT and fans can own that. You talk about like posters and kind of more image NFTs or just other forms of media that don't necessarily relate to actual like MP3 files, but that can still relate to the artists that fans can engage with. And then on top of that, owning the platform. So instead of relying on the distribution of some of these streaming providers, you can upload your IP and that can be in the form of music NFTs and fans can purchase straight from you. I think what you're alluding to really is this like 1000 true fans concept, right? Like, is that what you see playing out in terms of when you can, you can find your community, you can find your 1000 true fans who want to engage with you on your own platform versus just like a Spotify. Like, will we see a lot of kind of micro artists in terms of you're an artist and you have a thousand fans here and another artist has 500 and just thousands of those or will like the proliferation of that be greater in the future or do you see that just being still kind of a, a small section and still a lot of the majority of artists that everybody really resonates with being the main ones the thousand true fans idea is is a great one i think trying to put all artists under this umbrella is hard i think it's a good thing to aspire to be i think one thing that the nft space will allow is you know you can have thousands of fans and if you ha create a healthy economy through your nfts and the gamification that you add you know you can you know you can make a sustainable living from from the secondary transactions of those nfts so but i think getting there is definitely important right and we've we've launched a couple of products that i mean a lot of what we do at our core at mint songs is is help music artists go from zero to one with their web3 communities so that they can eventually make those 1000 true fans that are riding with them that are participating in their in the gamification of their brand you sort of alluded to a product that we recently launched called posters that allows artists to turn tour posters show posters and prints into nfts that they can give away to their fans uh, and their fans just need a, an email to claim it we have two key technologies that enable us to do this. One, we're on Polygon, and two, we integrated with MagicLink. So we're able to attach a non-custodial crypto wallet to your email address, one that's zero knowledge. So we don't know the private keys and MagicLink doesn't know the private keys. You're the only one that can access those private keys. So whenever you claim a poster, whenever you put your email in to claim a free poster, happens within seconds, we create a wallet for you and then we airdrop a new that poster NFT into your wallet and give you your first ever NFT. This product is really meant for artists to speak their web three story to their entire community. I think a lot of a lot of what's said in the web two community about web three is that it feels very gatekeeper-ish and it feels like a lot of people can't participate in it. And with this new product, we are really helping artists go to their communities and say, you can participate. Like here's here's a way that you can participate with us. So that's the idea behind the product, as well as it being a bridge, right? We when when someone enters their email address, we collect those emails and and we're able to show them to to an artist so that they are able to build a top of funnel. 
So we tell artists, you know, before you even start an NFT project or think about one, let's run poster campaigns. Let's get your community educated about NFTs by giving them free NFTs. Now, I hope this rings a bell for you because in 2013, I got my first free Bitcoin from Coinbase. So really taking that and productizing it and allowing music artists to do this with their fans, like give them free NFTs, teach them about what it is. And then at the end of the day, when you have all these NFTs circulating, I think the most important part of a Web3 community is is really the data play, right? Like if you have a massive amount of Ethereum addresses, you're able to draw very interesting analytical insights about your community because you have transparency into every single Ethereum address. And now you can be more data-driven about what you do next in the Web3 space. Now, if you're sold on the decentralized future or that you know, most, you know, most things eventually will have some sort of decentralized component to it, then having a Web3 community and starting to build it now is going to be important for that future. And having, you know, as many of your NFTs out there will allow you to see what your community is doing. You know, you can see things like 20% of your community is also building on sandbox. So go build a sandbox property or go perform a sandbox show, really allowing artists to be data driven about what they do next i.e. helping them make better decisions, i.e. helping them make more money because they're being more data-driven about what they're doing. Mm. Yeah, wow, I really like that point you bring up around being data-driven. A lot of the current data points that artists get through streaming platforms right now is pretty limited. You see the the number of streams and the number of unique listeners and maybe like major cities where they're where they're coming from but the ability to tap in to the analytics of people's on-chain identities is really fascinating to give you an idea of how you can build your career and make really educated decisions you know there's probably a flip side of that though where fans not creators are listening to this and say whoa 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 now it feels like all my data is being given up just in almost the same vein as Facebook and, and Google are perceived. Do you think it's different than that? In my mind, it feels a little different because it's not, it's data being used not to extract value. It's data being used to give the artist an idea of how they can better connect with their fan. But tell me if I'm wrong there. Yeah, you know, I, I resonate with what you said there. I mean, that's just part of this decentralized reality, right? Like any single, any transaction that you make is, is written down on the public ledger and having it written down in the public ledger has, you know, a list of reasons why it's a very beneficial thing. It also has, you know, some things that, you know, some things like this where, you know, it could be seen as not beneficial, having your data out there for the public to see. I mean, you as an artist can go as far as seeing how much Ethereum someone, your community on average has in their wallet. I think for a collector, it does come as a shock, but you know, overall the benefits outweigh the, the cons. Like you are, we're able to, to create this totally new economy and, and really benefit the artist. So having that data is, is super important. And then, you know, at the end of the day, if you don't want, if you want to, you know, not have that data seen, you can create another wallet, right? Like nothing's stopping you from creating another wallet and, and running a totally different identity, which is what we see on Twitter, right? Like people have pseudonymous identities and that's totally fine, right? Like you can interact and in however you want to interact and, and say that, 
you know, you're doing all of your transactions under a pseudonymous identity, we can't track it back to you. We'll have data points that say, hey, this is your community and this is what they're doing. And this particular Ethereum address is what they're doing, but we can't tie it back to you, Josh Gordon, the person. So there is ways to sort of obfuscate your actual identity with your with your digital identity. Yeah. And I'm sure that's coming down the road with literally one day we'll be able to toggle back and forth, which on-chain identity we want to associate with transactions and how that is linked to certain data. Whereas right now we're kind of all using one wallet for everything. So it's a good point you make. And I also just want to note that I did really like the thought process of giving NFTs for free to fans. I think that money is a filter in a lot of these NFT projects and that can eventually become a blocker. And that really can stop community building and engagement from happening from some of the people that are are most passionate about what you're doing. So having a, a free strategy involved there is, I think, a win. I would like to move on to some more music-focused questions. And some of them are kind of Mint Songs related. Some of them, I think, are just more general music NFT space related. But l- let's go through them. So I'd like to talk through the a little bit of how you see the music ecosystem evolving. There are some platforms that are just provide one of ones like additions some provide the ability to have you know a hundred a thousand or more additions how do you look at the difference between like those two concepts in the music nft world yeah so i think that there's no right answer here right like right now it's the wild wild west and music artists are incentivized to try everything because at the end of the day you know they can, you know, an artist can go on Min Songs, then they can go on to Catalog, then they can go on to Sound XYZ, then they can go on to Royal, all at the same time building a Web3 community of Ethereum addresses that own their assets. So artists are highly incentivized to build on uh, across all platforms, including all chains, and building on Solana or Tezos or Avalanche. As the space sort of evolves, artists are going to have multiple strategies. And with the ultimate endpoint of artists owning their smart contracts and really being self-sovereign and and you know picking and choosing which platforms they want to you know really connect their smart contracts to and and picking their royalties and and all that good stuff. So, you know, as far as the one-on-one concept versus additions, I think they're both great, you know, they're both great avenues for for a music artist to experiment. I mean, when I first joined Twitter, I experimented with the content that I posted and I did it to see what caught on and what didn't. I think the Web3 space isn't any different, right? Like you should experiment. You should try Mint Songs. You should try like everyone else in the space because you as the artist are empowered to do so, empowered to try try it all. That's sort of my two cents on that. I think artists should try one on one of ones and they should try editions. You know, at Min Songs, we do that for artists and we do so by providing the gas fees. And you as an artist don't need to pay anything. You just go on Min Songs and you can mint songs for free. We front all the gas fees for it because we want you to try it and, and get your feet wet and, and, and really experiment without any sort of cost to you. That was good to cover the editions. It sounds like you're pro. You're pro both 
one of one and holding editions. Is there a reason why you would do a one of one or, a, you know, going with a, a quantity? Like, it, is there a strategy involved? Does going one of one make it more make it more rare? And, you know, what happens when you have multiple one of ones out? What I like to tell artists is, you know, we're building a canvas that you can sort of decide whatever you want to do on. You know, if you want to turn your song into a one of one, or if you want to turn that song into an edition of 50, you can do that. When you think of how, you know, going back to my point on mirroring the physical world into the digital space, people want to participate. Like eventually, like, is it scalable to make one of ones? Because you as a music artist, you aren't cranking out a bunch of music. Are you going to, you know, turn all of your songs into one of ones or are you going to let are you going to turn them into editions that allow more of your fans to participate in 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 your you know in your nft ecosystem that's really up to the artist right like a lot of artists want to just create one of ones and and really create their music as rare pieces of art and then some artists want to do editions i there's no right or wrong answer here and as time goes on i think that, you know, one of ones will sort of stay at this, you know, upper echelon of pricing and then additions will allow any, you know, folks to sort of enter the space at a lower price point. They both work together. Like I said before, like music artists have physical merch strategies that are, you know, that span a lot of things, vinyl, CDs, hats, shirts, posters, hoodies. So when you think of an artist's digital merch strategy, it's going to be one of ones, additions, you know, music specific NFTs there, you know, I, I foresee like artists turning obviously their tour posters and show posters into NFTs, but also things like their lyrics or their music videos or the videos at, at, at shows. Maybe the old Josh Gordon would have recorded a, a tour video for an artist and they want to want to turn that into a, uh, into an NFT. Right. So at the end of the day, it's, the key piece here is the NFT is the atomic unit of your Web3 community. The digital asset can be whatever, but at the end of the day, having the NFT and and having that in someone's Ethereum address is the most important part because then you'll be able to you know verify that they have it and, and really create this sort of engaging experience digitally with your fans and really ultimately strengthen the artist-fan relationship. I love that. That last part you said there just about... It just matters that they own an NFT of yours. It doesn't necessarily matter if it's a one of one, if it's an addition, if it's a free one. You, you, you create that connection between the fan and the artist, and that can allow you to communicate and engage in ways that are really just limited to how creative you can get. That was really insightful for me because I think a lot of times I've looked at these one of ones as what you said, the upper echelon, and then it's an addition. Why do I want to own an addition? But I think we do need to start separating like the price of an NFT from its value and understanding that, you know, simply holding it is the touch point. Yeah. You know, to add to that, are there's artists that, you know, are going to continue to create, you know, their art and, and, I don't want to be seen as, hey, you as an artist should devalue your art, right? Like, I don't want to say, like, you should sell edition of 50 for 
$1 a piece or $5 a piece. The beauty of what we've built is it's an open platform. You decide what you want to sell your art at. I think that's really, you know, the, the key piece that I want to leave off with is like, make sure that you value your art in the way that you see it being valued. Because at the end of the day, this is, uh, this is, this is your art and you should be happy about, about the outcome that happens with creating this community that owns your art. So just one of the, just leave that there. Okay, so let's get to some community questions before we have a couple rapid fire ones to wrap the pot up. We threw it on Twitter, asked people if they had any questions that I'd like to answer some. We, we kind of touched on it earlier, but I wanted to give you a chance if there were any other technical and cultural challenges in scaling music NFTs that you feel like we haven't addressed yet. This is definitely a problem, right? There's a top of funnel problem where artists and collectors and essentially music consumers haven't entered the nft space in mass yet and what we need to do is you know unleash the floodgates we need to you know for us we want to build tools that allow you know artists to onboard their entire web 2 communities into web 3 once we can do that successfully everybody in the music nft space will benefit right? Because you have more people that are interested, you have more, you know, buying power, there's more artists that can benefit. So, you know, a lot of what we want to do is increase the whole of the ecosystem, ultimately bring on the next 1 million music consumers into the space. And I sort of say that as a as an ode to what Nifty Gateway did, because they, they did a lot of work bringing the the new a new sort of cohort of nft collectors into the space through digital art same thing with what nba top shot did bringing a totally new cohort of people from the nba collector space who you know maybe went to a couple games maybe collected panini you know basketball cards but now they're collecting nfts on nba top shot bringing a totally new set of people a set of eyes into the space that's what we want to do with music and music overall is let's you know, bring in a massive new group of people that that are totally new into NFTs and like, let's create a massive ecosystem so that everyone here benefits from it. And that really served as a lot of inspiration to our posters product and allowing artists to, to, to give free NFTs away to their fans so that folks can get their first free NFT. And we've done this with a couple of artists so far. And, and in the last month, we've onboarded over 15,000 new people into our ecosystem through that product. So we're going to pour the gas on the fire here and really, really ramp it up so that we, you know, create this larger hole for the music NFT ecosystem. I feel like one of the challenges here is just how, how normal streaming has become. And, you know, it's funny to just think about 10, 10 years ago, how, how new of a concept that was, but we went from buying music, owning our own collection of CDs. And then we went to being able to stream everything, you know, at the click of our, fingers and kind of lost that collection aspect. I feel like Spotify playlists have brought a little bit of the curation back into the mix. Now, as we're shifting back from streaming and a little bit more to ownership, getting getting that across to the average consumer is a cultural challenge I, I see I see playing out. I know that, you know, with the things you've mentioned, like free NFTs and whatnot, we can get there. So, you know, one more community question, and I, I'd like to throw it out to you, which one you want to answer. One has to do with metadata and one has to do with how, what problems this all solves for the average music consumer. I think we've talked a lot about like niche groups, but maybe not necessarily the average music consumer. 
do you have one that kind of lights you up a little bit more? Do you want to talk metadata or music consumers? I can touch on the metadata aspect, although my co-founder Garrett can probably talk to it a little bit more than I can. NFT metadata, and for people in the audience that are not hip to metadata, it's just the data that is attached to the NFT that gives it a you know descriptors and helps people identify what it is. You know, metadata is super important in in music and in streaming because it helps you categorize music properly. So you can sort it and sort it by genre, sort it by artist, sort it by X, Y, Z. So over time, music NFT metadata is going to standardize itself. And we're going to start seeing, you know, things like the decentralized Spotify and the decentralized Pandora pop up because we're going to be able to sort all these songs on a standard sort of with the metadata standard. So it's it's important that we sort of nail it sooner than later so that we can, you know, work towards that future of, of allowing, you know, people to build apps on top of this layer one of music that we're sort of collectively building across all of our across all of the music platforms. And so that metadata would include anything from genre so that we can create playlists or is that does that go a lot deeper and, and the metadata could include information about holders and you could create all types of interesting kind of layer two applications that that show the community involvement and whatnot. We have a notion table of a bunch of folks that are collaboratively working with us to figure out the the NFT metadata standard. Folks like Jack Spallone over at Hi-Fi Labs and Jeremy at Catalog and David Greenstein at at Sound and Kyle Dillon at Arpeggi. Like it's all a collaborative effort to figure this out together because it ultimately will benefit us all at the end of the day. So other things like credits, like who's credited on the metadata and, you know, creative commons licenses and, you know, just anything that can just be a helpful descriptor to the music is super important. Well, I'm glad people are thinking about that. It's, it's something that the average person definitely wouldn't even consider as being a factor into, into this, especially because it's one of those, it's under the hood. It's something you don't necessarily see, but it's part of the code base, right? So awesome to see that it's a collaborative effort across the community too, and, and not just one company leading the charge. All right, let's do one, two, web three. So I've got some questions for you. One, who's an influential web three creator, entrepreneur, collector that's really inspired you or educated you? Oh man, there's so many. <laughs> there's so many, but I'm going to shout out Pack. Every project that Pack puts out, he's a digital artist. Every project that he puts out just like melts my mind. And I'm like, wow, this is truly, <laughs> just truly innovative. Uh, I love the work that he puts out. I keep trying to mint some of his stuff and it's like these, these mints open for like a minute and then they go away or something like that. He's awesome. Thanks for making it this far into the episode. I hope you're learning a lot. We recently launched a new Discord channel within our server for the Unstoppable podcast. In the channel, you'll find a cool surprise. So head over to the Unstoppable Domain server, find our podcast channel, and check it out. And you'll want this password when you're there. It's GM Podcast. The password is GM Podcast. That's all I'll say for now. Stay tuned for more passwords in future episodes. See you in Discord. Now, let's get back to the pod. favorite nft i own beeple's debut nft politics is bullshit i bought it on nifty gateway i didn't mint it 
for a dollar. I bought it off someone for a thousand dollars after they minted it <laughs> because I wanted it. Uh, I've been following Beeple for years now. I've been following him since like probably since high school. <laughs> like <laughs> I just really like his work and and when I saw him, you know, do his debut NFT drop on Nifty Gateway, I was like hell yeah this is this is is one of the artists i actually truly like and follow so that was you know other than it being like probably by one of my largest nft wins it just serves as a moment in time where the passions of mine and in in the digital art space just collided with with my passion for nfts so uh that's a special one to me yeah shout out people yeah, that's awesome. I actually I feel like I remember seeing on your Instagram story when you posted about it. And honestly, I hadn't heard of people then. And I dove in. And ever since then, I've had like I've sat around the couch with my roommates for a couple hours, just going through day by day, just being mind blown by awesome people pieces. So awesome artists right there. Congrats on that pickup. And then last question in five years, What's the craziest thing you'll think we'll, we'll be doing in the metaverse or with music NFTs that people aren't even thinking about right now? Yeah, I think generally people think, oh, we're going to have VR headsets that are going to, that we're going to sort of spend hours of our day in sort of like a ready player one scenario. I think I'm a radical optimist about technology helping, you know, helping us out in our you know, everyday lives. I think over time, we're going to start seeing, you know, more and more artists build sustainable careers off music. And I love that. I think NFTs can really truly enable that for not only music artists, but digital artists, and even, you know, programmers that want to, you know, create really interesting generative art. I think that's really what I'm truly most excited about is is the creator economy is just going to blossom because of this. So that's what I'm what I'm most looking forward to in the next you know three five ten years of the metaverse. All right, Dwight. Well, I think this has been a great conversation. We dove into a lot of awesome music NFT concepts that I think illuminate the direction this this industry is going and and what you're thinking about as someone who's really in it day in and day out as a builder. I'd like you to just allow everyone to know where they can find you, plug your Twitter handle, Plugment Songs. Where can people look into to get more information on you and, and what you're building? Yeah. So on Twitter, we're at Mint Songs and then mintsongs.com. Check us out there. Join us in Discord. We have a great community of, of music artists that are just building there and it's, it's vibrant. So I, I truly invite you to check that out. And then for my personal at at Dorculus at D O R C U L A S if you wanna if you wanna follow me, I post every NFT project that I, I myself get into. So if you wanna follow along there, check that out. Thank you for the for the space, Josh. Perfect. You're welcome. I appreciate you being on. Thanks to everybody listening to the Unstoppable Podcast. We're coming out with episodes every single Wednesday. So tune in, hit us up on Twitter, and we'll we'll see you next week. Appreciate you. Peace out. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Unstoppable Podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share this with your friends. And remember, this conversation doesn't have to end here. Tweet us your questions, thoughts, and ideas to Unstoppable Web. 
I look forward to hearing from you and thank you so much for listening.